Amen. Can we give our team a hand? What an awesome job of bringing us into his presence. Amen. And uh, he is a good God. He is a God of victories. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is what does it mean to walk with the God of victories? Our God is victorious. Our God is able. Our God has his hand on Pathway Church in a very unique way. We have so many things to celebrate right now. And we hope that that you sense that, that you see that, that you're really understanding that at the end of the day, there are victories happening. No matter what we may be going through, there is a God who's saying, I got it. Trust me. Look over here. Let me show you what I'm doing. And as he orchestrates and orders our steps today, you're here for a reason. There is no doubt, whether you're online or in person, that I believe his word has something to say to us today about this God of victories. So really glad that you're here. If you're a a woman in the audience, I just want you to know we've got something special for you coming up at the end of the month. We've got a brunch for our ladies and you can go online, sign up for that. We We believe that not just do we need messages and worship, but we need community. And, and so that's part of how we find the God of victory. And so women, uh, that brunch, that same weekend at the end of August, our men are going on a retreat. And we've got a few spots left, men. Uh, you can go online. You can find out about it. We'd love to have you men sign up for that as well. Uh, how many of you know, like, we need a little help. We need to learn from each other on occasion. I mean, it's a real thing, right? And uh, I want to show you, share this with you. I came across this this week. This is a letter from Sam to Betty, his sweetheart. And uh, my guy's got some things to learn, but l- let's get there slowly. Let me read to you what he wrote. You ready for this? Uh, he says, my dearest Betty, I love you beyond words. Webster does not have in his dictionary the necessary vocabulary to explain the depth of my love for you. Thoughts of you dance across the portals of my mind. You are my all-consuming passion. So enraptured am I regarding my love for you that the Pacific Ocean would be like a pond if I had to swim it. I could do it as long as I knew you were waiting on me on the other shore. The heat of the Sahara Desert would never impede my progress to you, knowing that you would be the oasis that would refresh me when I arrive. There could be no inconvenience that I wouldn't endure for you. Climbing up Mount Everest would only seem like getting over an ant's hill if I knew you were at the precipice. All I'm saying to you, my darling, is that my love for you transcends time and space. Signed, Sam. Aw. That would be great if, if Sam was smart enough, and this is the little like, men, don't put a PS on your letter. My guy Sam put a PS on this thing. You ready to hear it? After all that beautiful, here's what I'd do for you, here's what I would endure, here's what the victory would look like, here's what he said in the PS. PS, I'll see you Saturday night if it doesn't rain. I don't know about you, but that kind of ruins everything else he just said, amen? And when you think about it, isn't it like that in our walk with God at times? Like God's like, hey, you love me and I love you. And and we're like, yes, we'll do anything for you, but not if it rains. Not not if we have to go through some things, not if there's challenges or trials or problems. And, and, And we need to understand that ultimately we have the victory in Jesus Christ. We are victorious. But how those victories play out scripturally and even today look very different than sometimes what we thought we signed up for. 
So as we get into this today, I believe, again, it's got a lot to say to us. But let me encourage you first, in 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is truth and this is a reminder of our identity. It says this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, say victory, that has overcome the world, our faith. This series we're in, Generations Following by Faith, is all about the reality that as followers of Jesus, when we place our faith in him, we have victory. We have a victory that helps us overcome the world. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's the starting point to understand the God of victories, is to understand that in Jesus, we have an identity that is victorious, that overcomes the things that we face. And how many of you know we face some things in our world today? We, we have challenges and trials and struggles and, and things that, that aren't meant to necessarily defeat us or even discourage us. They're meant to develop us. They're meant to grow us in our walk with God and to walk in the victories that he has. So understanding what that looks like today will help reshape, reorient, maybe even help you reimagine what that victory looks like in your life today. We're in the book of Hebrews. Uh, you can turn there, chapter 11. And uh, we're going to unpack three verses today. And as we unpack these, they center on a guy named Moses. Uh, Moses, as we learned last week uh, in the verses preceding this, uh, had been set apart by his parents at birth. They saw beauty in him. They set him apart. They protected him from a government that was out to kill people like him. And as they set him apart, he was raised, and, and as he was raised at age 40, he made a choice. He, he made a choice to identify with the people of God and, and to also be willing to give up some of the privilege and power he had in the palace to, to suffer with the people of God. As he did that, he also made a choice that was ultimately a mistake. He took things into his own hands, trying to achieve the victory on his own, and, and how many of you love the fact that our God is a God of second chances? Because Moses had a second chance, and that second chance would come 40 years later. That's where we pick up today. About age 80, you have Moses, who now has been in the wilderness, has raised two sons, has shepherded a flock, has developed a heart and relationship with God that's now ready to receive in his legacy years what God wants to do through him. But the preparation to get there, I'm sure there's a part of Moses going, is it over? Is it too late? Have I done everything I was supposed to do? And then here's God showing up and saying, no, I've got more for you. I've got a victory. Let's take a look. Verse 27. Hebrews 11, verse 27, it says this, by faith, can you say by faith? By faith, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. If you're taking notes here, walking with the God of victories requires revelation over reason. It requires revelation over reason. You see, what Moses, it says, had to do was to see the God of the invisible over the realities and the things around him. That by seeing the God of the invisible, he increasingly would have a faith to believe that God could show up in the visible situations. And Moses' situation had plenty that he needed God to show up in. Maybe yours does today too. 
It, it was funny because, you know, for me, yesterday was a day where I was reminded that sometimes the very things that we think God is up to in a situation is not at all what he's doing. Let me tell you what happened yesterday. I have a son who's 17 and he's quite a good athlete. And he said, hey dad, you wanna go out and play pickleball today? Now I, I was introduced to pickleball like 20 years ago. I haven't played a lot in 20 years, that showed. Uh, and, and so we go out to play and it's in the middle of the day. And uh, that young man, I'm gonna call him that, took his dad, who's super competitive, thought he could still hold his own, and wiped me all over that court. All right, if there was a video, you would have loved to watch it because he had me running. Now, I had a few good shots. I scored a few points. You know, I kind of like, hey, I was better than you thought, right? And he's like, mm, kind of, sort of, not really. And, uh, and so the competitive side of me had this moment where like, I'm like, well, okay, if I start playing more, maybe I'll catch up to him. Maybe I can have a victory. And so I start going through all the reasons in my head. Do you ever do this on, on why you lost? So, so I'm like, first, well, I haven't played in a number of years. That's one. Two, you know, I'm almost 30 years older than him. And, and you know, so it's just a matter of time. Like, maybe I'll catch up. And, and then it was like, I don't know, a heat, heat index thing yesterday that was like, I shouldn't have been outside. And, and so like in the third game, I'm like getting faint, grabbing water. Like I'm passed out on the floor of our house like 10 minutes later, like just laying there. He's like, all right, dad, I'm gonna go play with my buddies for three more hours. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like how humbling is this? You ever been there? You see, what I learned in that moment was that actually, as God was showing this to me, was, um, Brian, you may never beat your son at pickleball in the near future. It isn't about pickleball. It's about enjoying the time with your son and being present with him. It's, it's about the actual moment and situation and enjoying that. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, like, I could stay hard-headed and hard-hearted, and, and try to be competitive, or I could just embrace my limitations and allow it to become a victory. Here's what Moses did, right? That verse, verse 27, said a lot without saying a lot. You have to go back to the book of Exodus to actually understand what was happening. In the book of Exodus, we learned that when Moses left Egypt, it didn't happen quickly. In fact, uh, he, he went to Pharaoh and he said, you know, you know, let my people go. And God had said, hey, you're gonna show up with a, a staff and it'll symbolize my presence. And when I tell you to, to throw it or to perform a miracle, that miracle's gonna unfold. And, and as that does, we know them today as the plagues. And so Moses is likely thinking when that first plague happens, that's gonna be the moment of victory. And, and yet it doesn't happen. I remember as a kid, hearing these stories and going, man, how disappointing and discouraging or confusing would it have been for Moses? That 10 times he did what God's revealed and he didn't see the immediate victory. But, but see, I had it wrong. It, it wasn't that that God was up to. You see, what God was up to in that situation was one, showing Pharaoh and all of Pharaoh's Egyptian people who the real God was. That, that actually all of those 10 plagues, according to scholars, are, are defeats of small g, false Egyptian gods. That each of them systematically showed that their God did not have any power over Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. So as that's unfolding, Moses is learning about God's character, the goodness that we just sang about. 
He's learning about his presence with him. He's learning about his power. How, how many of you know that, that often the victory isn't in the, the, what we wanna see happen, it's in what God is doing in us and shaping us and preparing us? So if you're taking notes, again, revelation over reason, because none of this made sense. In fact, what would happen, and think of it this way, if, if we're thinking about how God works, behind me is the cross symbolizing God's presence, and, and Pharaoh would have something revealed to him, and he would actually, in a moment, then harden his heart and take a step away from what God was asking through Moses. And, and I just wonder how many of us do that, where, where we see what God is revealing and instead of obeying, we disobey. And, and before long, we find ourselves in a situation similar to what scripture says of Pharaoh, that his heart had hardened. And, and we wonder how we got so distant, distracted, and why God seems so far away. You see, when we put revelation over reason, we begin to actually experience what I believe Moses was experiencing which is that he would see the invisible God showing up in every step of obedience grew his relationship with God closer and closer and closer so that when it was time to move out of Egypt, they were ready and prepared to receive all God had. Come on, church. There is a God of victories that wants to lead victories that grow our faith, grow our obedience as he reveals what those steps are. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. I don't know what the situation is or the challenge is, but I wanna assure you that the God of victory through Jesus Christ is present and available. And if we'll let him reveal his will, he'll begin to lead us forward. And here's the thing to remember in the 10 plagues that happened, they weren't all performed by Moses. Moses gets a lot of street cred, right? A lot of, like we, we think of how great Moses was, but within those 10, 10 plagues, a couple of them were performed by God himself. A few of them were performed at God's direction through Moses. And a, few of, a couple of them were performed through Aaron. What's the point? The point is not our abilities, not how we do something. We as a church, it ain't about me. It isn't about you. It's about the God of victories and him getting all the glory. Amen. He'll do it in his way. And we learn as we, he reveals his will and as we obey him and walk that out together. Stephen uh, Lennox is an author and in this idea of Pharaoh and, and you know, what God's people were experiencing, he says this, one of these men, he's talking about Moses and Pharaoh, began holding all the power, but became increasingly impotent. The other began with no evident power, but turned out to be the unquestioned victor. Faith proven by persistent obedience is what made the difference. It's our faith and our obedience that makes the difference. And God's ways don't always make sense. Let me read to you from Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 55, it says this in verse eight and nine, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What does that mean? You and I can't comprehend God's plan. His plan will overwhelm us. 
It is bigger and greater. That's why he reveals it one step at a time as we follow him. Can I get an amen, church? Yeah, we gotta participate here. I'm gonna get bored too. <laughs> Just kidding. Verse 28, let's keep going. Can you tell I'm fired up about this today? It, it really, I, I gotta be honest with you. Like I, I am really excited every week about God's word, but I have a special sense right now that God is getting you and our church, because church isn't a building, it's people. He's getting us ready for something. He's preparing us for something. And that's exciting because it ultimately, he is the God of victories. So here we go, verse 28, the next verse. It says, by faith, let me hear you say it. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. If you're taking notes here, walking with the God of victory, victories invites us to live in the light. You see, not only does God reveal his will over reason, but he invites us to live in the light as his people. And as we begin to hear that invitation, let me take you back to, to where this comes from because again, verse 28 doesn't tell all the detail. You gotta go back to the book of Exodus again and it's actually in the book of Exodus that in the ninth plague is actually God's orchestration of light and darkness. It says that in the ninth plague that darkness came over all of the land. Can you imagine? Uh, I'm from the north, and when I moved here, I looked up how many days of sunlight were in the state I'm from on a given year. It was 60 days on average every year. Y'all, God is so good. I'm in the sunshine state. Like, it's so great, right? I'm solar powered. I don't know about you. Like, I just love the light. I love the sun. And so can you imagine like they actually experienced a few days of darkness. And it was in that, that again, God is revealing his presence, his power, who he is. He's also during that period, marking his people with light. It's incredible if you read the, as the ninth plague unfolded, that actually light marked God's people. So there was a clear contrast between darkness and light and why does that matter? Well, what did Jesus say, right? He said he's the light of the world, that you and I are salt and light, that we're to let our light shine. These are all things that, that we can pick up through these periods and why it's so important that we learn how to live in the light. Now, I wanna do something with you. I'm gonna ask you to pull out your phone. If you have a smartphone with a flashlight, okay, if you have a flashlight, could you pull that out? I'm gonna shine mine, you're gonna shine yours. If yours has a laser pointer, keep it out of my eyes. All right, got your light? Okay, you ready? Turn it off, okay? Now I'm gonna have our team turn all the lights off in this place, we're gonna go dark, okay? Okay, turn your lights off just for a second, just for a second so we can feel the darkness. How many of you know we live in a very dark world right now? And yet as the people of Jesus, we're to live in the light. So let's now turn on our lights, okay? Look around for a minute. Look how quickly light has the victory over darkness. I say this quite often, light has never lost a battle to darkness in human history. Anytime you're in a dark room, turn on the light, it wins. Okay, go ahead and turn on the lights, guys. You can turn off your flashlight. Unless you're really bored, you can keep playing with it, I guess. Just keep it out of my eyes. 
if we're to live in the light, there's a light that calls us forward out of the darkness, amen? And, and if we think about what that means, there's some implications. Because the darkness is always going to be around us until Jesus returns. Wasn't that cool? They're resetting. Squirrel. Francis Frangipine, an author, says this about light and darkness. Please don't miss this. He says, do not hide your darkness, expose it. Do not sympathetically make excuses for it. Confess it. Hate it. Renounce it. For as long as darkness remains in darkness, it rules you. But when you bring darkness out into the light, it becomes light. When you take your secret sins and boldly come onto the throne of God's grace and confess them, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. You see, what happened after the ninth plague? After dark and light, the Passover happened. What that was, to remind you, or if you've never heard the story, was God came to Moses and said, listen, I'm going to send the destroyer over the land. An angel's going to come at night, and if you're not marked by the blood of a sacrificed lamb or other animal to worship me, if you're not marked by that blood, so they literally, the Israelite people were told, Worship God with a sacrifice, then take the blood of that sacrifice and mark your doorpost and your doorway. That actually symbolized the covering of the blood of the lamb. Are you tracking with me? Because they celebrated this feast for years, and as Jesus came, he's the ultimate Passover sacrifice and lamb. His blood covers us. So what happened in that moment was at midnight, it says, in the 10th plague, the angel of destruction went out over the land. If the blood was covering, if they had brought their stuff into the light to say we need God's covering and protection, they were protected. The Egyptians didn't do it. And all of their firstborn were wiped out. That was the final straw, if you will, that that Pharaoh said enough's enough, get them out of here. And he let them go for a minute. We'll see that in a minute. Now, as that all unfolds, what does that mean for us? Just as they experienced bringing their need for God's love, forgiveness, and grace under the blood, we're to do the same with Jesus. We're to bring everything to him and to live in the light. That's a part of walking with the God of victory. You bring what's dark into the light. What's what's revealed can be healed. What we bring forward, he can deliver us from. Listen to Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 10. It says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. See, again, whether it's revelation or living in the light, it ultimately doesn't become about our agenda It's about his and his will. We want the Lord's will as a church. Hopefully over time, you want his will for your life. And as we walk in the light, he reveals more of that. And we experience victories and he keeps leading us more and more into the reason that he's placed us here on earth. By the way, if you've got breath in your lungs, God ain't done. He's got a purpose for you. And part of walking in the light is believing, God, what is your will? What do you have for me? 
Now, one more verse out of Hebrews 11 we're gonna cover today, verse 29. By faith, let me hear you say it. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they were attempted to do the same, were drowned. Pretty dramatic story. We're gonna get into the detail in a minute. If you're taking notes, walking with the God of victory, again, revelation over reason, we need to live in the light, and lastly, means we tread where we are led. You see that rhymed? I'm sorry, I'm, I can be cheesy sometimes, can't I? We tread where we are led. And this is actually often the, if I look back at my own life, and maybe you can look at your life and go, yeah, actually, a lot of losses, a lot of suffering, a lot of things that we go through are because we've treaded, walked into spaces and places that God didn't ask us to. You ever done that? Like you make a decision and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go do this and then just ask God to bless it. And God's like, well, here, here's gonna be the blessing. I'm gonna show up in your mess. You're gonna learn more about me. I'm gonna teach you humility. I'm gonna teach you brokenness. I'm gonna put you back together. But what you thought you were gonna do over here, nah, that isn't what I'm up to. I'm gonna use this to bring you back over here where I wanna lead you. As a staff for the last year or so, our, your church staff here, we've been talking a lot about what does it mean to be humble, hungry, and spirit-led. Think about that for a minute. You see, when we go through things, we learn that we can't, but he can. That, that's the whole situation with Moses and with the people of God. They learned who really had the power. So we develop a humility that says, God, I'm yours and I need you, the God of victory, to show up. That humility creates a dependency on God. Then with that humility, hopefully there's a hunger to say, God, I just, I wanna be close to you, I wanna know you, I want your will, not my plans, yours. And then as we walk that out, we wanna be led by the Spirit. So as you look at this story and what it might mean for our lives, let's go back to Exodus 14 where we get some detail about what happened. You see, it's actually in Exodus 14 that as they left Egypt, Pharaoh, as I said, had said, okay, get out of here. So they plunder the Egyptians, they leave, and then as they leave, Pharaoh, his heart hardens and he begins to have second thoughts. So much so that he says, hey, mount up. Get the chariots, get the horses, we're going after them. What did we just do? We need them to be our slaves still. You ever followed God and things went from bad to worse for a minute? You see, what we're gonna see in this passage is it had the appearance of not being a victory, but because of what God had done in Moses, what he understood of who God was, he was able to redirect the people to understand that, hey, don't look at the situation. Don't look at the fact that Pharaoh's army is bearing down on us and we have a sea in front of us because our God, the God of victories, is about to do something. And some, somebody here, including just maybe our church as a whole, we need to understand that we're gonna walk through some stuff in the coming year, but we're gonna watch God show up and show out for his glory. So let's take a look because there's a lot to draw out of this passage in Exodus 14. I'm just gonna to read to you eight verses. Let's start in verse 10. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, 
the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? How quickly we forget where God's brought us from, huh? He says, what have you done to us in the bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, and I love his response. He didn't try to reason with them. He didn't try to argue with them. He just told them what he knew about the God of victories. Y'all ready for this? He said, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Translation, trust God and shut up. Anybody? I mean, you ever found that your mouth was actually not maybe saying the things it should say? I mean, there's a good word here. <laughs> Moses is like, hey, trust God, let him fight for you. And if you can't praise him right now, be quiet. If you can't worship him right now, be quiet. Wait on him, let him speak into the situation. Quit taking it into not just your own hands, but defeating your own faith and the people around you with discouraging words. There is power, scripture says, in the tongue. That wasn't in my notes but some of us just need to be quiet. Let me read on. He says, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them and I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his host." his chariots, and his horsemen. It's all about God's glory. One of my favorite stains is his story and his glory. The story of God unfolding in our lives to give him glory, amen? Verse 18, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. It was actually a few years back that our uh, family living in Michigan was given a, uh, as a part of the ministry we were a part of, we were given a Sears building. Uh, this is a number of years back, and it was a, uh, a miraculous donation. I mean, literally, like our church was given a 130,000 square foot building and 10 and a half acres of land, free and clear as a donation. Like, only God, amen? Now, as that unfolded, we had one worship service in that space on New Year's Eve. It was actually a few weeks later that we actually received an injunction from our local township that said we couldn't use it. We also received a lawsuit from the adjacent owner that said, this is not right, you can't do this. So what looked like a victory suddenly had circumstances that changed dramatically. Anybody? And what I can tell you from looking back is during that period of time, God was cultivating my and our church's ability to trust him, to know his presence and power. We, we were in that battle for two and a half years. 
And there was in that period times where I was tempted to fight my way and to take it into my hands. What did Moses say in Exodus 14? Be still, your God will fight for you. You see, it was during that period that every 30 days, the top religious land use lawyer in America called me and said, I want to take your case pro bono. I want to fight for you. Every 90 days, the head of the RELUPA, Religious Land Use Department, in the Civil Rights Department in Washington, D.C., a member of the president's executive staff, called me every 90 days for two and a half years and said, Has the, the, have you forced the city to say no to you? Have you taken the final step? Because we're ready to step in and open up an investigation and fight for you. Every step of the way, with all these weapons at our disposal, God kept saying, be still and let me fight for you. Somebody may need to hear this today because we can have, all, and, and you need to know like, I, it was hard for me. My wife would tell you, I wanted to pull the trigger. I wanted to say, saddle up, let's go win the use of this building and this land. But you know what I can see in retrospect? By being still and waiting on God and letting him fight, he grew our faith in him. He grew our humility, our ability to watch him work. And you know what he did on the back end? We ended up winning. We ended up winning though, not to use the building, but to say, let's settle and sell and let's multiply the resources. We went from one building to three. We went from blessing one church to blessing a nonprofit as well as a result of what, you see, God's ways are different than our ways. And I'm just here to tell you that somebody in here, you just need to know, like whatever you're facing, let God reveal what he has. If you're not sure, be still, wait on him. Keep living in the light. And when he says, this is where I want you to tread and you're led, now you take the step. But in the meantime, you gotta wait. So what does that mean for us as a church? There's gonna be seasons where we're seeing everything behind us, in front of us, and we're going, God, where are you? And we're gonna learn to pray. We're gonna learn to come together. We're gonna learn to watch God, the God of victories bring the victory, amen? So I am, again, very excited about this moment in time and what God has. So two questions for you to close here uh, for next steps. The first is, what is the God of victories revealing to you today? As you've been listening, as God is speaking to you through his word, what is he revealing to you today? Maybe you need to move from reason to say, okay, I need to get with God. I need to hear from God before I make this decision or before I take the next step. Or maybe... Step two is this question, will you step into the light today and walk with Jesus in victory? Maybe you've been carrying something, holding on to something, and God's saying, hey, come out of the darkness, bring it into the light, let me touch this, let me give you the victory, let me have my way with your life, because he's the one, when we follow him, that ultimately has the greatest victories ahead for us. So, we're gonna pray, we're gonna respond. And as we do that, we'll have prayer partners at our kneeling benches up here and available. This space in front, we often will refer to it as the altar or 
you know, what is it? It's a space where you might feel God tug in your heart to say, I need to take a step. He's leading me. He's, he's saying, here's how I want you to leave your, you know, move your feet, leave your seat. I'm gonna be down here. I'm gonna be available. I'm gonna be worshiping because the song we're gonna sing is the same God. The same God that was there with Moses is available to you and I right now. The same God of victories that they experienced as they left Egypt is available to us right now. The same God that showed up in our life up in Michigan is available to us right now. And he's looking for a people that are hungry and humble and ready to be led by the Spirit because he's about to do something significant, I believe, on the Treasure Coast. We're gonna be a part of it, church, because God's preparing us to receive those victories, amen? If you're able, will you stand? And I just wanna pray over us. And then I wanna invite you to respond, to come up front and join me, to come up you know, in worship and praise. We can pray for one another, all of those things. He's the God of victories. He's the God of victories. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you are doing in our midst. We thank you for your spirit that is guiding, that is directing. Father, I thank you for what you're revealing to us today and how you're inviting us into the light. God, I just declare by faith, you are the same God. Open our ears, give us a bolder faith to follow you. Help us to hear where you're leading. And Father, I just ask that this time, your spirit and presence would be poured out as we worship you. You are the same God. You are the God of victories. And we give you all glory in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him.